chapter number 20. Book of Psalms, chapter number 20. There's some things that, that come in our life that we can't do a whole lot about. We played a baseball game Friday night at Ben's Ford. We didn't commit but one error in that ball game. There was nothing that we could have did. That team beat us. We couldn't have defended it any better. Things that come in our life that, that we can't do anything about, it's hard to wrap your head around. Because things that happen to us and things that happen to me and things that happen to you and to the family and the church, whenever you don't see it coming, whenever you can't prepare for it, whenever you couldn't have handled it any better, and it still seems like it, it takes your breath away, knocks you flat of your back for a little while, those are things that, that we look to God for. Oftentimes we can prepare for things such as hurricane seasons coming up. The report on that came out this past week. They said it's supposed to be an active hurricane season. The weatherman said that it was supposed to frost this weekend. Thank the Lord it didn't. Uh, but we can prepare for things like that. We go cover up the tomatoes. And I, I went ahead and laid, held up my corn and covered it up in case of a frost. It, it didn't, but we can prepare for frost. We can prepare for hurricane season. We can prepare for eternity. But there's some things in life that, that we simply cannot prepare for. And most of the time that comes down to the, to the wind. Solomon chapter number 20. David is looking to God. Because he understands that everything in his life, he cannot be in control of. Most of us, is kind of human nature, we like to be able to control things. We have thermostats so that we can control the temperature inside the building. A lot of us have heated blankets so we can control the, the temperature of the bed. I saw a commercial on TV the other day. They make a bed now that has a heater in the foot so it'll warm your feet up so you go to sleep faster. We try to control everything in our life that we can. But there's some things that we simply cannot, but we worship a God who can. And David is, is saying that in Psalm chapter 20. Verse 1, he said, The Lord, hear thee. In the day of trouble, the name of God of Jacob, defend thee. Send thee help from the sanctuary and strengthen thee out of Zion. Remember all thine offerings and accept thy burnt offerings, Salah. Grant thee according to thine own heart and fulfill all thy counsel. We will rejoice in thy salvation. And in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. The Lord fulfill all thy petitions. Now I know... Excuse me, now know I, the Lord saveth his anointed. He will hear him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Some trust in chariots, some in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord. They are brought down and fallen, but we are risen and stand upright. Save, Lord, let the king hear us when we call. David is understanding and realizing here, and he's, he's putting it down in words. But there's some things in life that we simply cannot control. There's some things in life that we simply cannot prepare for. But God is still there for us. David is saying in verse 3, he said, Remember all thy offerings. Remember the burnt sacrifices. Remember the God that you serve. I don't think David is saying, Remember all that you've done for God. Maybe he'll do something for you. I don't think David is saying that. I don't think he has a mind to say that. I think David is saying, remember the God that you serve in the good times. Remember the God that you serve 
whenever He led you through trouble. Remember the God that you serve whenever He delivered you out of the hand of the enemy. Remember the God that you serve whenever He delivered you out of the hand of the wilderness. Remember the God that you have served all your life. Remember the God that has gotten you through troubles. Remember the God that has gotten you through trials. Remember the God who has taken care of you. Remember the God who took care of you when you didn't know you needed taken care of. Remember that God. But Scott Justice, minister out of Alabama, he used a statement that I've kind of always assumed, didn't we all have, but I've never heard it put this way. Every hill has a holler and every holler has a hill. And if you apply that to the Bible, it's mountain and valleys. But around here, it's hills and hollers. Every holler has a hill. Every one of them. They don't make hollers without hills. And every hill has a holler. Sometimes in life, we'll be on top of the hill. And it's easy to praise God there. It's easy to praise God whenever we're on top of the world. Whenever everything is all right. Whenever the baby is sleeping and laughing and happy. It's easy to be excited. It's easy to want another one or three more, whatever you may want. It's easy. But right now, she's teething. And then back teeth is coming in. And it's a little bit harder to think about what if we do this again. It's a little bit harder. Sometimes in life, we'll get up on top of that mountain and we'll say, God is good. God is great. God has taken care of us. And then we'll get down in that valley and things will come our way. We'll start pinching pennies and things get tight. And, and bills come in and we don't know we don't know what to do with them. Somebody gets sick. We don't know how to handle it. Things begin to change in our life. The, the first thing that we do is, is, is we try to control it. We, we try to do more to wrap our hands around it, to wrap our head around it, to, to be able to, to get it back in my control. Because I don't want to control it all, but we can't. We cannot control it all. They built the Titanic to survive anything, didn't they? God sunk They built buildings to survive anything. God knocks them down. They built the Tower of Babel to reach heaven. God didn't have to knock them down. He split people up. We may think that we're in control. We may think that we want to be in control, but we're not in control. We're not. We're not going to be. We can't be. Thank the Lord we can't be. If I was in control, we'd be in trouble. We'd be in some kind of trouble. And I believe we'd be in worse trouble if you was in control, but we're not going to get there. Whenever we can't control things, whenever things in, in our life just, just go haywire, we can't figure it out. We still worship the same God. We still serve the same God that we praised when we was on top of that hill. We still serve the same God. David said, remember. Verse 5, he said, we will rejoice in thy salvation. I want you to think back. Think back to the day you got saved. I don't want you to tell me what day it is. I don't want you to tell me where you are. I want you to think about that peace that you felt. Was there a peacefulness in your heart when you got saved? Was there joy in your life when you got saved? Was there something to be joyful about? One of the happiest days of my life is, is the day that I got saved. And I was this big. And I called everybody. There wasn't cell phones back then. I called on the home phone. The one with the cord. And I called everybody I knew. 
Because I wanted everybody to know that I got saved. And at school, I told everybody that I got saved. It was something that we were joyful about. David said, we will rejoice in thy salvation. I think that David is, is, is using this word in, in two different ways. Not only the salvation that, that God presents to us the day that we got saved, but we also need to continue to rejoice in the fact that we can't lose that salvation. We can't lose God. God won't stop loving us. Paul said there is nothing at all. And I'm not going to go through everything what he said, but, but height and depth and war and famine and enemy and friend, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. And that is the salvation that David is saying rejoice in. Whenever things get bad, whenever things get terrible, God has brought us through. I spoke to a man this past week. I met him at the gas station. Young man, not, not very old at all. He's got hip trouble. He's on crutches. Last time I saw him, he was in a wheelchair. He's got a bunch of kidney stones, and he just had a whole bunch of stents put in his heart, and he can't have hip replacement until they, they figure out what's going on with his heart. This time last year, there was nothing wrong with him. Picture of health. And just that quick, and he's, he's not old, he's a few years older than me. Just that quick, I asked him, I said, how you doing? He said, I'm doing all right considering. He said, uh, he said, God said he'd never give us more than we can bear. I must can bear a lot. I must can take a lot because God's given a lot to me. But there's good come out of it. It may hurt and it's, it's that holler. It may be painful. It may be a struggle. But there's good that's going to come out of it. God said that all things work together for good. He didn't say that they were good. And I can't imagine how a kidney stone must be good. Before Papa Clyde passed, he told us how that pancreatic cancer worked together for good. That he was able to preach to those people at the doctor's office. That he was able to witness to those people at the, the, the chemo place where he went and got his treatment at. It may not be good, but it works together for good. Kidney stones may hurt, but God can use them. God can use the opportunities for His honor, for His glory. And we can't forget about that. Flip over, if you would, to Psalm in chapter 149. We got the beginning of the psalm. Let's go to the end. Psalm in 149. A lot of times, especially whenever things get better, we'll thank everybody. If a doctor made us better, we'll thank the doctor. If the pharmacist give us some medicine, we'll thank the pharmacist. Mom and daddy kissed it, made it better, we'll thank mom and daddy. But in Psalm 149, it says, Praise ye the Lord. We're going to face hills and hollers in our life. We're going to face things that we can't control. It's coming. You hadn't found one yet? Bless your heart. There's only two states of human life. Coming out of trouble, headed into trouble. That's it. That's the only two that exist. Coming out of trouble, headed into trouble. Whenever things get really quiet and you got a, a kid under 10 years old in the house, what happens when things get really quiet? You start looking, don't you? Something's going on if they get really quiet. 
if our life gets really quiet, we're in one of two places. Chances are we're not working hard enough for God that the devil is so fit to bother us anymore. Because you know when the devil gets you where he wants you, and your life is not being used to glorify God anymore, you think he's going to keep on bothering you? He's got you where he needs you. Why should he keep poking in pride? Psalm 149, 1 says, Praise ye the Lord. Sing unto the Lord a new song, and his praise in the congregation of saints. Let Israel rejoice in him that made him. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name in the dance. Let them sing praises unto him with the timbrel and harp. For the Lord taketh pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. Let the saints be joyful in glory and let them sing aloud upon their beds. Why should we worship and glorify God? psalmist here tells us all about praising God, but he don't say why. Why should we thank God? Why should we worship Him? Why should we praise Him? You go back to, to Psalm in chapter 20. We praise Him because He's our defender. We praise Him because He's our protector. We praise Him because He saved us. We praise Him because He continues to use our life. We praise Him because He deserves it. That's why we praise God. God will take care of our life. God will take care of our problems. God will get us through these problems. But let's not forget to thank Him. Let's not forget to praise Him. There's a song that's sung, and I think we've sung it here before, I don't remember. It's called The God on the Mountain. The God on the Mountain is still God in the valley. The God of the good times. Is still God in the bad times. And the God of the day is still God of the night. Paul says in the second shortest verse in the Bible, two words, he said, rejoice evermore. Now that evermore encompasses just about as much as the whosoever will does. Evermore is all the time. At what point in time in our life do we have a reason not to rejoice? When do we have a reason not to praise God? Brother Randy made a statement in Sunday school a week or so ago. I don't remember who he was talking about, but somebody was, was putting shingles down and he kept hitting his hand. And in just a minute, he whacked his hand and he said, Thank the Lord, I can feel. There's always a blessing. There's always a blessing. God didn't say that he would get rid of our troubles and trials. He didn't say that, that he would totally put away from us all, all bad stuff. He said, you shall face persecution. He said, you shall be tempted. The world will try to destroy you if you live for me. Wednesday nights, we're studying spiritual warfare. And we studied on our adversary. We studied on his army on how much he desires to destroy the life of the saints. But this past Wednesday night, and Lord willing, this coming Wednesday night, we studied on Jesus and his army. 
You know His army always prevails? You know Jesus always comes out first? Those that follow Him, we always come out as well. The three Hebrew children said, O king, we are not careful to answer you. Our God whom we serve shall deliver us. They said, our God's going to take care of us. Whether it be in death and we'll meet Him. Or whether it be in life and we, we come through this fire. Our God shall deliver us. Heard a man saying, I don't remember who it was. Uh, Brother Harold mentioned it. it was a quote from somebody. He said, I'm going to meet you. It was a missionary. That's who it was. A missionary to uh, the war, the war country. Uh, Ukraine. Missionary to Ukraine. He said, I'm going to meet you. Over here, over there, or in the air, I'll see you. And that's the way that the three Hebrew children face their situation. They said, God will get us through. And he will. God is our defender. God takes care of us. Turn, if you would, to Titus in chapter number 2. Book of Titus, chapter number 2. Paul says in verse 13 that we are looking for that blessed hope. That is what we are looking for. That is where we keep our eyes on. Peter was walking out across that water and he had his eyes on Jesus and he was walking on the water but when he looked away, he started sinking. Whenever he looked away, whenever he got his eyes off of Jesus, Paul said keeping, keeping our eyes on that hope. Looking for that blessed hope and that glorious appearance of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity, purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. We have a hope in Jesus Christ that the rest of the world don't understand. The Bible says that to the world, the word of God is foolishness. They don't get it. It's not open to private interpretation. It's, it's not interpreted by people. It's interpreted by the Holy Spirit. And Paul said that we are looking for that blessed hope. Whenever we have things in our life that we can't control, we need to keep our eyes on that blessed hope. Keep our eyes on God. Keep our eyes on the goal. Keep our eyes on who we are living for. Whenever we find things in our life that take the breath out of us, we still have someone to look for. When things come up on us that, that we don't expect and we don't know what to do, we have a 24-7 helpline. If we pray to God. He don't sleep. We'll never get a busy signal. We'll never lose service. He's there all the time. But we have to reach out. If you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. You don't have that access. God has not made you the same promises. But then verse 14 I want to tell you something. He said who gave himself. Talking about Jesus Christ for us. That he might redeem us from all iniquity. If you're here and you don't know Jesus your Savior, he came to redeem you from iniquity. He came to save you from your sins. He came to redeem you from this world. And all you have to do is believe in him. <coughs> believe, that's it. 
Short, simple word. Trust and believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior and God for Jesus' sake a Savior. And then God makes to you those same promises that He's made to us who believe in Him. The Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you'll do that this morning, God makes a promise to be your defender. God makes a promise to take care of you. God makes a promise to glorify Himself through you. But you have to trust in Him. You have to believe Him. You have to give your heart to Him. You have to call out in prayer. No one understanding that you're a sinner in need of salvation. You have to ask Jesus to save you. The Bible says, No man cometh to the Father but by me. That me is Jesus Christ. If you'll believe on Him with all your heart this morning, God for Jesus' sake will save you. A lot of times that I made the statement, I think the last two Sundays here, but I'm going to say it again. A lot of times those of us are saved will say, well, we're saved. Now what? The rest of that verse finishes out that now what for us. And we're going to talk more about this tonight. Jesus gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity, purifying to himself. Here we go. A peculiar people zealous of good works. That is the now what? Once we're saved, we become that peculiar people. That is how God fulfills his promise to us. He took care of his, his children. He took care of Israel. And he takes care of us today. We have to become that peculiar people. We have to be zealous of good works. Zealous means to have great desire for. To be very motivated for. To love. To be passionate about. Today are we passionate about good works? Are we passionate about God? I'm not going to get off on a tangent. But what if we gave God the, excuse me, what if God gave us the same attention we give to Him? Thank the Lord He don't. God takes care of us all day, every day. God is watching us all day, every day. The, the word omnis, uh, omnip, omnip, omnipotent means that God is watching everybody all the time. It says it. Jesus said it. The lilies of the field God has clothed them. The sparrow, God feeds them. Do we not think that he'll take care of us? And he only asked us one thing. He asked us to go and be a witness of him. This morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, that is the most important thing on earth. It's more important than anything else you'll ever face. Immediately following that is living for God. The Bible says, or Jesus said, he said, love God. Love people, the two greatest commandments ever given. First of all, believe on God. That is the love of God. The second is to love people. Zealous and two good works. I pray that each of us could do that this week. As we go out into this world, that we would be zealous and to do good. That we'll be passionate about spreading the gospel of God. That we'll be passionate about loving others. We have Easter Sunday coming up. We have sunrise service coming up. You have something to invite someone to, right? I have a reason to invite somebody to church. We're going to feed you. That's when everybody shows up, right? When you feed them, we're going to feed everybody Sunday morning. Invite somebody to church. If they say they're not coming to church, tell them about Jesus. Maybe the only opportunity that they ever get to hear. A revival is coming up. Invite someone to church. If they can't make it, tell them to pray for us. Be zealous and do good works.
That's what Jesus commands to each and every one that believes on Him. Well, we have a verse for song. I'll ask for a verse of invitation.